This is Brian Lincoln, producer of Hidden Harbor Mysteries. I'm starting this feed off with some behind-the-scenes material. I'll begin with an interview of the show's writer, Jay Smith. Enjoy. I'm here with Jay Smith author of Hidden Harbor Mysteries. How you doing, Jay? Doing well, man. Good to hear you. So I figure this is going to fall in the feed before anything else. So uh, what do you want to say to listeners that just came to check out Hidden Harbor Mysteries for the first time? Well, I am very excited about uh, what you're about to hear. It's uh, one of the things about writing something like this, it never ends up the way you anticipate. And it's very cool that I was able to handle hand off a complete script to Brian, who transformed it into something I think is better than what I really anticipated it being. So um, I think you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of echoes from the golden age of radio. You're gonna hear some new twists to the format that we've been trying to perfect for years. You're gonna hear some great performances, and I think you're gonna have a uh, you're gonna be a part of an engaging story that's gonna last. Uh, Quite a few weeks, I think. 15, 15 episodes. That's. I think it'll keep your attention. I think you'll be really excited about it. I'm looking forward to it myself. Cool. What was the uh, impetus to go for an old-time radio type thing? Was that based on uh, on what inspired you to get into audio drama type stuff? Yeah. I mean, I grew up listening to old-time radio. and The only modern equivalent in, I guess, into the 70s and 80s was uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Company doing a show called Nightfall, mm-hmm. which was really the first audio drama series quote-unquote modern that I experienced growing up. And it was still a viable medium. And, I, and, and you and I, we grew up in a, in a time where we were saturated with television and film. And that was the, the currency standard by which entertainment was valued. But I found that it was a lot cooler to be able to sit in, in a dark room and imagine all the scenes and the characters and you know put it through my own personal filter. So as, as I grew up, I really wanted to write something that went back to the days of the shadow and, and uh, I love a mystery and lights out everybody, everybody, everybody. And, but there's never really a, a market for it until the 21st century. And it was great. It was a, just this, this opportunity because we have so many talented people in podcasting, um, patio novels and audio drama these days that we could capitalize on the new audience and the new performers and the technology to, to come up with something that's just as good um, as what it was in the golden age, but also with modern twists. Uh, so I really wanted to tell a pulp story. And I think this was a, a great time considering the, the number of talented actors and, and uh, crew members that we could assemble to get it all done. Did you have any sort of inspiration in terms of learning how to write audio drama? Because as someone who writes as well, it's always been interesting to me how you're able to pump these things out and have them sound like nice, concise episodes. Uh, well, part of the, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, uh, I, I think just listening to a lot of stuff, I mean, I would often watch television and close my eyes and I'd, I'd realize what I'm missing and you realize how much of a story is driven by the visuals. So if you watch Star Wars, a lot of what you're seeing is c- conveyed by the sound and you can, you actually realize if you don't watch any of the effects, you can still hear, uh, the sounds carrying you through that story. So if you listen to audio drama and you listen to some of the best uh, filmmaking, you can cancel out the visuals but still feel what it takes to tell a compelling story just to the listener. 
So I and and when you're writing prose, you're almost kind of doing the same thing with a narrator. You you have to take all of that information and put it through your mind's ear and your mind's eye to convey the story. So it it really didn't it wasn't that big of a transition, except for the fact that I I went to college to become a filmmaker. Realized I was a very bad filmmaker because I was always playing to somebody talking or something going on that didn't have any real dynamic visual element to it. So I had to I retrain myself to not write as a screenwriter, even though I was really bad at it, and focus clearly on uh, what would convey the story through sound. Well, one of the things I, you had a great interview. We should probably link to it um, of Dirk Dirk Mags, mm-hmm. and I've mentioned this several times on one of my podcasts, but. Uh, I really liked his advice about avoiding talking heads, meaning you really got to have the, per- the listener visualizing where people are when the scene starts. Otherwise, they just picture talking heads. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a challenge with audio because you can't, with video, you just, you know, you start rolling and you just take in the environment, even if the actor's just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. But in audio, you can't do that. You have to kind of start them off with something. It's very easy to fall into exposition where the old Superman cartoons where Superman would – he's on TV, but he's announcing what he's doing like a second before he does it. I'm going to fly this way, and he does it. It's really not necessary, but that's kind of a holdover from the golden age of radio. And when I talk with Dirk Maggs and when you talk with a lot of people who do this stuff professionally, they talk about it has to be organic. It has to – either you have to have a narrator, which really bogs down the pace of the show, or you have to have – some clever way to integrate action with dialogue that's accented by by sound, either music or effect, so that it doesn't feel like you're being told what's happening. You actually experience it in a way that's not beating you over the head. I know you had uh, the cast, as it turned out with the show, is of course not, it never com- comes out 100% what you maybe planned going in, but how much of that had you thought of uh, starting out in terms of writing with, with certain voices in mind for characters? I, I realized while we were working on HG World that there were certain actors that I really wanted to work with either because they had such a distinct voice that stayed with me mm-hmm. uh, or because they were so great to work with. They turned their work around. They were very solid and professional, mainly because, that though, that they they created a, a character in, in my head when they were delivering their lines as a, as a different character in HG World. So as I was writing Hidden Harbor and getting deeper into the story – I would write a few lines and someone from HG World would pop into my head. And so, right. you know, as, as we go through, I think I gave you a full cast list of all the major characters when we first started. And it was, this is my Christmas list. Yeah. Let's see who we can get. Yeah, and like you said, you know, some folks just, it didn't work out. Um, they just, for availability or they just didn't feel it themselves. They were yeah. able to carry off the voice. But I think, between your contacts and HG World, we came up with oh my god, just some some amazing talent. Yeah, it feels like an all all star cast. <laughs> it does. It really does. When we were at Balticon. Oh man, going through the list of names and then having everybody there, it yeah. felt like a summit of voice actors. It felt very very cool to be part of that. Yeah, it's something I was very strict about when I was filling out the cast was I needed people that were experienced. I knew they knew how to record. Uh, I knew they they had enough background to understand why they might be approached for a retake not take it personally because that mm-hmm. surprisingly happens <laughs> uh, stuff, you yeah right <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that and and uh so it you know I, i've done a lot of stories for a long time this, this, this interview is about you of course but 
it's just you with actors you learn who's reliable and who gives a solid performance and it's just so much fun to get material from them so yeah, it's it's great to hear the first takes um, we did a couple of rehearsals it was fun to hear everybody try and get their head around the material and, and try and find the character while they were building a relationship with the other actors and that was the first time since I started uh, hearing those relationships build and that strengthens the character bond that helps to sell the story because in HG World, how many hours have we invested, you particularly, in trying (laughs) to get people who, who are in different time zones or different parts of the world trying to make them sound like they're in the same room together when they have never acted together. They don't know how to feed off of one another. I think in this case, you really hear the difference. You hear that Veronica and uh, and, and uh, Laura actually rehearse this, and they have a relationship on and off microphone that translates to the story. I think when when they came on board, they were very clear. You made it perfectly clear that we needed to sell the sound. We needed to sell the the realism of being in a studio together for a live broadcast. We wanted to go back to that 1930s let's hurry up and put on a show kind of vibe. And they took that to heart. They actually took the initiative and spent, I guess they spent time offline uh, talking about how they were going to approach each other through those roles. So they had a clear approach and could respond when necessary to each, uh, each other's um, emoting emotions and such. Yeah. So that, that that's, I think that distinguishes this show from a lot of shows that are out there that just don't have the time or the energy to, to pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. The other th- fun thing to mention about the cast is the uh, tabbing a few people with just incredible range to fill out <laughs> mm-hmm. just a variety of variety of accents. I mean, there's some people in here who it's just amazing how many characters they pulled off. <laughs> yeah, those are the guys who were worth their weight in gold back in the golden age. Those are the yeah. guys who were studio character actors, and you can you can't really find a lot of those guys these days. So you turning up those actors who could do six or seven voices. And do them well. That that was a major find. That was a major coup. Yeah, that's that that's one of the most fun parts. Is you, you're like, I wonder what that's going to sound like. I know they're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other fun part was the, uh, you know, some of the characters really going for sort of the old time accent, the uh, transatlantic type thing. And and for example, the voice we got for Penumbra, uh, I just love the accent she chose. Yeah, we've been fanboying over that for, for quite a while. <laughs> since, since you brought her on board, she, she just blew us both away. Yeah. And, and that's important. You, you can't sell the story without having a strong main villain. And you have a really strong heroine in Veronica. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the two of them, there's just that energy that, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing that final battle. Yeah. Oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, also, I mean, you, you've had very high standards in terms of production. And then one of the things that distinguishes this from HG World is that uh, HG World was kind of a, uh, you know, a summer camp kind of feel. We, we accepted people with technology that really we wouldn't accept for this show. Yeah. And we, we wanted to bring people in who had good voices, who wanted to learn the craft, almost a pendant audio kind of feel, to apprentice and, um, you know, bring them through the system and, and, and uh, counsel them. But in this, we really didn't have a lot of time. We wanted to pick people who were ready to hit the ground running when we cast them. And that unfortunately led to some, you know, some folks who just said, you know what, it's just not, I'm not ready for this right now. I would really love to be part of it, but 
they either didn't have the equipment or the range, and they they were good enough to acknowledge that before we got too deep into the production. Yeah. So anybody, even if they didn't end up on microphone, realized the kind of product I think that we wanted to produce, and they were, were so much on board with what we were trying to deliver to an audience that they would rather sacrifice their ego and step aside than make it less than what you could have made it, Brian, with with your technology and your talent and your ability to bring people to the voice. Yeah, and it it's not fun to do that, <clears throat> but no. it's, it's something that I think you need to do if you want to, because having a satellite type of a setup, I mean, you, you're really trying to get people who record on their own with hopefully some rehearsal, but... Uh, everyone's in their own environment recording to a microphone and in mm. order to get that to sound natural and sound as close to a studio recording as possible you have to be a bit strict about things like not just sound quality so that's easier or you know uh, even possible for me to mix it in a way that sounds natural but also people that are willing to take feedback and and realize that there's a process uh, you're gonna have to go back and do a little bit more again just to make sure that everything we need is in place and you know, it, it's a little bit, it, it becomes a little less hobby and a little more jobby. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it, I think the, the different shows, and I'm, of course, learning, so there's still things I'll get better at over time, but I, I still feel very proud of this as a first, first yeah. production. So, Yeah, there's there's something to be said about uh, the, the people who we, we brought on board and anybody who was involved in this project, I don't want anybody to think that we had any any issues with them. I would work with everybody who oh, yeah. participated. Um, I, they were they're on my bucket list for for roles for to cast. I, I these are the kind of people who I write parts for. So um, I, I hope that I can work with them in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now to wrap up this little interview of you <laughs> let's um let's point people to other stuff of yours if they're really enjoying this uh they probably want to know what else has jay smith done where can i look oh god um well we're, we're still in the middle of uh, the Gujis, which is part of our larger hg world zombie apocalypse audio drama series which is, was now in its fifth year um we outlived we're alive which surprises me um <laughs> We, uh, you, know, you can go to goodmorningsurvivors.com to start from the beginning. You can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, a spinoff series called The Diary of Jill Woodbine, which was a finalist for the Parsec last year, is available in print now, but you can also listen to it from beginning to end free. Veronica reads it, and she does a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, Gooji's is still in production. That, that's a link between season two and our final season. I'm sorry, season one, which is actually season two, but I digress. The second season <laughs> production to the Gujis to the final season. Just go back to season zero and start. It'll all make sense when, when it's all done. But yeah, it's all free to download. You can listen to it at your leisure. And uh, if you go to Amazon.com and look up The Diary of Joe Woodbine, you'll see that novel uh, for Kindle and for print. And there are a couple other books that I've put out that you can take a look at as well. Cool, cool. Well, thanks, Jay. Thank you. Any final words for listeners about to find episode one? Oh, listen, uh, yeah, you're going to get some in-jokes, and they're, they're going to go through all 15 episodes. Give us feedback. Let us know what you think. We wanted this to be an interactive experience for everybody, so don't don't think that anything you want to say has already been said. Hit us. Let us know what you think. Yeah, great. Cool. Thanks. Hidden Harbor Mysteries is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. Find out more about the show at hiddenharbormysteries.com. Find more of my productions at lincolnaudio.com.